This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. Entrepreneur Farhad Mohit is hardly resting on his laurels, although he could. In 1996, he launched BizRate, a consumer rating site, and then in 2004, Shopzilla, a shopping search engine. His latest venture is DotSpots, a service that lets people update the news in real time with dots or distributed objects of thought. These could include many blog posts containing text, videos, images, documents, perspectives from the blogosphere, or eyewitness accounts from the scene. Mohit talked with Knowledge at Wharton about DotSpots, the publishing industry, the wisdom of crowds, what he learned from his previous successes, and the importance of finding the right team, among other topics. Could you start out by telling us a little, a little bit about DotSpots? Sure. Um, what DotSpots is is a, is a, is a platform uh, to allow ordinary people, or what we call the wisdom of crowds, uh, to uh, bring the content that's being created, user-generated content, we call it, uh, blogs, uh, photos, videos um, that, that are happening in real time covering events uh, and apply them to the mainstream news. Um, so that's its its core essence. I can tell you why we're doing that later, but that, oh, that's can what you give, it is. Can you give an example? Yes. So um, the plane that landed um, um, in the Hudson River, I don't know if you call it landing, but whatever, the, it, it landed in the Hudson River. Um, the, the news was actually broken by Twitter, uh, Flickr had tons of eyewitness videos. There's a billion and a half people with uh, with internet access and a cell phone. Um, so they're able to be everywhere, really, and break the news. The, the problem is that the mainstream news doesn't have a very good uh, a way of integrating that into their systems right now. And so they, they have to get reporters out to the scene and things like that. They don't have the money to do it. They don't have the time to do it. But it's happening. So what, we are, our, what, our, what our idea is is that we should let people just be able to attach their content into the mainstream news right as that story is breaking. Because the story kind of frames the issue, plane landed in Hudson River. Then photographs can come right from the, 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 the blogosphere and right from the, uh, um, um, the, the Flickr and YouTube people loading the real videos. And so you can immediately get multiple perspectives, eyewitness videos right on the, into, the, into the mainstream news as it's developing. But is there some way that those were organized? Yeah, it's uh, the same way that Wikipedia is kind of uh, organized. So that, that's where the wisdom of crowds comes into play. Um, you basically have people loading in a bunch of stuff, and then you have consumers of the information looking at it and saying, is this useful? Is it not useful? So very quickly, and uh, this is sort of my background from BizRate, one of these rating companies. So I'm, I'm pretty experienced in building systems that, that, that take a bunch of feedback and filter up what's useful and filter out what's junk. Because, yeah, there will be a lot of junk as well. I understand your website uses something called the semantic annotation system. Right. Uh, uh, I, I presume that's the system you use to filter out the junk. Could you explain that yeah, a little it's, bit? Yeah, it's not actually the system we use. Of, uh, um, to f- the, fil- the system we use for the junk is, is, is um, people's um, votes. Uh, um, um, uh, but the, the semantic nature of the, the business is the following. It's that when, when the news gets created right now, a copy gets created... Usually, like I said, it's a framing device. It's not. They don't do a lot of investigative reporting anymore. They don't have a lot of live presence because they're running the news as a business, and those are very expensive things to do, right? So they kind of frame it, and usually they frame it from an institutional point of view. So they say, according to the White House, and then 
whatever the White House has given them. They run that. And not only that, but then other places pick it up. The Associated Press, as an example, syndicates to 1,500 outlets. And then other places start talking about that. So this story, copies of it get made, and then out of those copies, pieces get made. Now, you want to talk about this quote that the president made, and you have some information you want to add to it, a video that might disprove what he says or challenge it or bring a different perspective from a blog. All what we need to do is not only when you attach it to that quote, we need to find all the relevant or semantically equivalent relevant copies out there. So if you attach locally to your local news copy of of this particular thing, like philly.com, the president said something, you attach it, but we distribute it all over the place to the copy in Zinghao in China as well uh, as the copy in uh, uh, of the New York Times and the Fox News and all of the copies. So you as one node on the net now can attach to your local copy something and we distribute it everywhere. But you have to find all the semantically equivalent pieces of text and that's sort of some technology there to do that. So is this uh, something that you think publishers should welcome or should they be afraid of this? I think I think that publishers should welcome it. What, what the end result, if we're able to uh, build this platform out correctly so that in almost real time, Footage from live eyewitness footage starts coming in, commentary from the blogosphere covering this from multiple angles and in very deep depth, scrutinizing uh, the statements of, of our officials, etc., start coming in, and we're able to bubble up the high-quality stuff. This becomes like high-quality, user-generated editorial content that, that for free, uh, the publisher can add onto the frame that they've built for the story. So it makes their stories more engaging. The content appears in context of of this uh, on the page, and so it, it keeps people on the pages longer and near the advertisements. And that's you know at the end of the day, that's why they they they, they are in business. Can publishers control this? For sure, yeah, absolutely. We're we're, we're a publisher friendly system. We give a bunch of controls to the publishers so that they can uh, um, you know to control how how many how this how the things will appear on the site. And it's very much a system in in. Uh, um, in development. So we're, we're working, we're building the system right now, but the first step for us is to go to publishers and say, how can we make this useful to you? We know that you are, you're hurting for, on the content side right, and on the cost side. We're, we're able to gather the stuff for free, right? And we want to put it into your system for free, but we know that you want, you're also worried a little bit about the quality. So we'll, we're going to build tools for them to be able to do that. So, so where does the balance of power lie, with the publisher or with the wisdom of the crowds? I think I think the, the the natural thing that will come out of this is the publisher is very much interested. I don't I don't think the publisher has an agenda per se. I heard that the you know Fox News is always accused of being conservative, and I heard the guy speak. He's like, I'm a lifelong Democrat. I run a business for Mr. Murdoch, and the, the fact is that we have an audience, and that audience is pretty loyal to us, and we try to meet their needs, um, and it makes us money, right, to do that. And so I think if we can show the dot spots, bringing more content, variety of voices, engages customers, their users, um, and makes you more money, the publishers will be very much embraceive of it. Uh, so, so I think that that's, that's, the, that's the point of it. Is is this focused mainly on breaking news, hard news, or um, what or other kinds of every events? kind? Uh, well, the the breaking news is where the sensational, like eyewitness videos and things like that, come in. So there's a there's an a- aspect of that when you're adding multimedia. Mm-hmm. It's certainly uh, the currency of the information is much more important. But there's there's three functions really that the press is supposed to perform. One of them is framing issues. The second one is uh, um, li- 
live presence showing what's happening. Uh, and the third one is um, investigative reporting. So deep analysis, uh, scrutiny uh, from multiple angles uh, of the, uh, of the, of the, of the uh, corridors of power and asking questions, hard questions. That's happening on the blogosphere. And that's more the reflective stuff. That's the stuff that happens in the weeks after a story comes. And a lot of times the, the blogosphere is responsible for a lot of the, the actual investigative reporting. It's just not a very efficient mechanism right now. We should be doing the questioning. The people should be seeing the questioning and answering right as it's happening, not, not weeks later, days later at least. How are you making money from this? It's an it's, it's a interesting question. Uh, um, the, the short answer is that we have to, a two-step process. First, you have to get ubiquity. There's only, there's only, one, uh, there's only three ways to make money on the internet. Okay, so anyone, you know, one is sell subscriptions. We're not selling subscriptions. Two is sell software. We're not selling software. Three is some form of selling advertisement. Today, we're not selling advertisement. You know why? We don't have anybody using the damn system. So uh, um, if we never get anyone to use the system, it's pointless for me to sit here and explain to you how we make money from it. If we have ubiquity, which is what our goal is right now, our social value is starting, it plays itself out, and then we can start to talk about it. It would be one form or another of of uh, um, either helping someone sell better ads or serving some types of ads ourselves. Um, Nothing to worry about today. You have had a track record of, with Bizrate and Shopzilla. Yes. Are there any lessons from those experiences that could tie into how you could build this up to scale? Absolutely. Before you answer that, could you just explain what Bizrate and Shopzilla are? Um, yeah, Bizrate, uh, well, we started Bizrate in 1996 uh, out of Wharton. Um, uh, it's a class project. Uh, and uh, Bizrate was a rating system uh, um, that allowed customers to rate their experience with vendors and share it with other customers. So it's a feedback system. Uh, it's grown to like, I don't know, it's a, t- a 20, 25th biggest site in the world or something like that right now. So it's, it's, a, it's functioning and do- doing really well. Shopzilla was a natural extension of uh, that idea, which is now we have all the ratings of these people, uh, people rating businesses. Why don't we have the prices of the products as well and go a full-fledged uh, search engine so you can buy products based on price and the attributes of the retailer, will it be delivered on time, et cetera. That's like uh, the 50th biggest side, I think, in the world. So they've both had some good success. Uh, um, and uh, the lessons out of that for, for dot spots, well, we, you know, it was an 11-year process doing those two things. We made uh, some decisions. We, for instance, we raised about $77 million of capital. Uh, I think that was, um, in hindsight, pretty stupid. Uh, we we're doing it completely the opposite way. So at the end, we raised a lot of capital. Uh, we had a lot of, you know, high-paying salaries on board. We brought a lot of people on that we didn't need uh, because we thought we needed to do that. Um, we were high on the hog, and everybody had, you know, good paychecks. But then when the, when we sold the company uh, um, um, in June of 2005, there were all these, like, fat cat in- investors who were, like, celebrating and pretending they're part of the team, and they, 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 they shouldn't have been. It should have been really the... The, the company than the, and, the, and the employees. So one of the things we're doing with DotSpots that's quite different is that um, we're trying to keep our burn rate as low as possible, try to keep the ownership in the hands of uh, our employees, and, and, uh, um, and we, we basically are a fully distributed company as a result. Everybody works from home. Um, am I going on too long? 
<laughs> I, I believe everybody works from home and the company pays a part of the mortgage. Is that right? That's right. Yeah, it's, it's one of these things where we didn't, it wasn't that everybody works from home because we want to save money on offices. It's because it's a smarter way to, to get productivity out of our uh, out of our folks. And people love it uh, because, and, and the idea of paying a part of the mortgage is more of a token. Because at the end of the day, what we say to, to, our, to our folks is, look, Keep, this is the business. What we're trying to do is this. Keep your burn rate as low as possible, but be able to pay your bills so you're not looking over your shoulder. From that point on, what we'd like to do is compensate you in stock, right? Because if you want a higher salary, we can do that, but then we have to sell stock to do that. And so you can make that decision, but now is a bad time to be selling stock back to to. Uh, dot spots. You want to keep your stock. So keep your pay low, right? You're not going to get rich today, right? Uh, uh, or maybe in the next three, four years. But what we're building is towards uh, a, a great product and a great company that, that whenever there is an exit or a liquidity event, um, the employees and the people who put their blood, sweat, and tears into this thing are the ones who are celebrating, not a bunch of money people who, who, who tricked us into to selling our stock too early to them. Also knows as venture capitalists. Talking from experience. So you have a pretty small team right now. Is that correct? Yes, we are uh, seven people uh, today, and we have four uh, um, who are kind of in in trial mode. One of the cool things about um, having a distributed company is that people can start pitching in um, from uh, remotely even before they hit the payroll. You get to kind of feel them out. They get to feel you out, and uh, uh, it's a it's a kind of an efficient model for figuring out if somebody should come on board or not. No risk to them. They're on, you know, some other payroll, you know, and they're, they're pitching in on their off time. So that's another benefit of the model. Uh, but we're still a small team, yeah, 11 people. So the, the, the sort of financial meltdown that we're in actually could be beneficial to you, to this idea. Yeah, everyone asks, like, is it a good time to start a business? And um, to me, the, the, like a couple of things. Are you curious about something? Like as an entrepreneur, are you interested in solving a problem? Um, do you have the drive to like to dedicate maybe five, ten years of your life to this particular problem? If so, it's a good time to start a business. If not, then you're just looking for financial engineering or timing something or flipping something. That is not an entrepreneur uh, to me. So I don't care about the business climate. It's uh, somewhat irrelevant uh, um, uh, to what we're trying to do. We're trying to solve a problem. We have to figure out how to do that properly. There's a lot of work to be done there. It's fun because we... um, I'm passionate about the, the problem itself. And uh, we have enough runway for, for a year, and uh, I can fund this thing forever. That, that's a fortunate position for me to be in. Um, the general entrepreneur should just look, if they have enough runway for a year, they should just concentrate on running their business and then figuring out how to extend that runway to, to always you know, be about a year in front of them, right? So it's a, it's, that's, I think, the way I look at it. So I don't care about the financial amount. Well, I'm just thinking it might be beneficial because publishers – would see this as a way to help them actually cut costs. <laughs> Publishers had for, their financial meltdown yeah, for, for, for a long time. They've been in a financial decline. So I don't think we needed this added boost. For, I'm worried the New York Times is not going to be around when we, when we launch our software. So I don't think it helps. Uh, uh, but uh, overall, I don't think it's, 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 um, it's that important of, a, of an issue. For, you know, I think it, if the business model works, it'll work in any environment. Yeah. Uh, your site also says that you know, companies that have done, figured out these issues uh, have grown as big as uh, Google and Wikipedia. Uh, <laughs> uh, 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 do, do you think that uh, uh, is, is somewhere in the dot spots future? If so, how? I think, that, well, uh, yeah, the, 
I said uh, to quote to correct the the, the 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 quote and put it in context. Um, I said that the uh, um, the wisdom of crowds concept and 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 large sort of information kind of hub concepts are ones that uh, do quite well on the internet, right? And Google and Wikipedia are two examples of such things. Um, it's way too early to say if Dotspots can can make a scratch on that so that so it's, it's quite presumptuous on the website we're allowed to be a little like that but it'd be stupid of me to say that to your audience well let's start with our first uh, few people on on board before we we make too many big grandiose uh you know claims what's your biggest fear about this venture Besides the obvious fear of failure, but I assume that's not. Um, I think we have some significant challenges. Uh, the technology, the idea of matching these these blocks of text uh, properly, so that when you put a put some content, attach a content, and we distribute it to 500 places, it doesn't come up on an irrelevant place. The core technology is, is a challenge. Um, we have a UI issue. So, so are we going to be able to present this content in a compelling enough way for people to be able to digest? And There's going to be a lot of content, and uh, are they going to digest it? Is it going to be intrusive to them uh, or not? So that's one of the, th one of the, one of the fears we have. And the, finally, uh, I think if this, if Today, you know, people said, are you worried about spam? And I said, today, where we're sitting, we'd be lucky. We're not worthy of spam. So, uh, but, but one day, if we're successful and, and lots of people are using the service, then we have all sorts of uh, issues around spam uh, coming into the system, people trying to sell stuff, people trying to, like, you know, whatever. So, so that, that, that's an issue. Those are the sort of execution. All of it is execution. I mean, the idea is a good one. If we don't do it, someone else will. Um, but uh, um, can we execute, you know, on these you know, hurdles and, and, and get to critical mass, which is what the main goal is here. If people are evaluating new ideas for the Internet or some other space, what, what advice would you give them? Well, I think on the Internet in particular, there's certain uh, um, things to keep in mind that, that are important for an idea. I think information-based ideas are very good. The Internet is an information medium, so is it about information, right? It usually, that's a good idea. Does it have an increasing returns to scale type uh, dynamic involved? Um, that's to say, more begets more. So in our case, the more people load content into dot spots, the more publishers will want this content and be useful to them. The more publishers um, start publishing the content, readers become exposed to it, and then the activists, bloggers, and people who are on the content side will be more excited about putting it in. And then the next, the next thing, so, so more be getting more is very good. And then uh, the, the idea of um, that erecting a barrier to entry as it goes. Uh, you know, the good businesses, um, there's, they kind of, as more begets more, there's only one of them that's necessary. So if you're thinking about us as, a, as an annotation layer on the news, there's not going to be 10 different annotation layers on the news. The, the, the content providers want one system. The publishers want one system. So being a first mover in something that has increasing returns to scale and, and is about information, those are very cool things. But that's on the idea side. Now, if you want to now go out and do something, um, the most important thing is actually, I think, some introspection to see what are your skills and what are your uh, core competencies, and then uh, putting together a team that complements you, not complements you by saying you're such a stud, but complements you by saying you're an idiot. <laughs> and uh, they know better in certain areas. Like a good tech uh, partner is, was essential for me, and, uh, and the team that's coming together um, for DotSpots is, is phenomenal. It's unbelievable, like the kind of people that are, that are, that are joining. And I think that, that with a decent idea uh, that has sort of good, these dynamics and a, and a team and a good, 
uh, team, you can you will you'll do wonders. Farad, thanks so much for talking with us. Absolutely. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.